Episode 106, Can You Transform a Company from the Bottom or Even the Middle? You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. Welcome to The Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today bestselling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, reinvention. Today's podcast is based on a few stories from Jason's book, The Reinventors, also from a lot of email that he gets and just a few messages specifically about the idea that we have positional leaders, those at the top of a company, the CEOs, the executives who make decisions, determine culture, determine values. But then we have people who might be in the middle or at the bottom of the structure of a company. How do those people lead change from their position? And that's what we're talking about today. Good day to you, Jason. Great to be back with you, Dale. So this is about coincidences. You might recall a number of episodes ago, we had asked the question, what stymies you at work? What are your big challenges? As I was coming up with ideas for my next book, and I read this uh, email I received on one of the podcasts, and it said, I have an idea for a topic. We hear so many great stories of leaders doing the right things for their organizations, but these guys are in the position to drive change from the top. Do you have any stories of aspiring leaders and or visionary employees who fought their way through internal resistance and changed their company's culture? How do we drive change from the middle? And then I said, that comes from Josh in Atlanta. Well, here's what happened. There's another guy in Atlanta who sent me an email who said, I was out raking leaves and cleaning up my yard and binge listening. And all of a sudden, I heard this email that you read from Josh in Atlanta. And he said, I had to sit down for a minute because I think I know that Josh in Atlanta. I think I might actually work with that Josh in Atlanta. And so he reached out to Josh, and sure enough, they work for the same company, and they share a lot of the same concerns. So I heard from, his name is Ralph. I heard from Ralph again this week, and uh, he and Josh had gotten together to talk about their frustrations, about moving and changing organizations from the bottom or the middle. And this week I received an email from him and he said that this week he was out to dinner with one of the leaders of the company. And he said, throughout the dinner, I kept asking him two of your questions. What's the purpose of our company and what keeps him up at night? His purpose to make money, but why are we trying to accomplish? He really didn't have an answer. He literally said, nothing keeps him up at night. When I asked what kept him up at night when the company was growing, he said a lot. To me, this is part of the problem. They're complacent with the status quo. And the sad thing, he is just one of the wounded, meaning that we have many stranglers who are actively impeding our progress. So this is where I'm at. How does someone not in a role of authority affect meaningful change in the cultural environment? This is what really keeps me up awake at night. This is a big, big topic, Dale. And if I was able to refer them to another specialist, I would. I'm very close with Vince Thompson, a colleague of mine and a close friend. I wrote a book about the subject called Middle Shift. That might be a a good starting point. But I really heard their plea for help and a plea for some response. So to the best of my ability, I'm going to respond by if you're in the bottom of the organization, if you're in the middle of the organization, you're wondering about purpose in the organization, you're wondering about values in the organization, how you can affect change from where you are. What are the things that I think that you can do? I think there are seven of them. And here we go. Number one. 
uh, play like Jolton Joe DiMaggio. Now, I hope everybody still remembers Joe DiMaggio, one of the greatest baseball players who ever played, best known for a 56-game hitting streak. He was a three-time MVP winner and all-star in each of his 13 seasons. And uh, during his tenure with the Yankees, only played for one club. They won 10 American League pennants and nine World Series championships. But here's the story about Jolton Joe DiMaggio that most people don't know. Uh, he played with a lot of serious injuries. He, he'd been physically injured in a jitney accident in New York, and it caused him a lot of physical problems in his legs. And so here he was playing his final game of his career that I just gave you the highlights of. And he, and despite the pain he was in, he was out there playing uh, like a rookie trying to make the club. And somebody in the dugout said to him, Joe, I mean, look, three-time MVP winner, all-star in every one of your 13 seasons. I mean, what are you doing? Take it easy. Why are you out there playing like you're just trying to make the club? And Jolton Joe looked at him and said, why? He said, because there might be somebody here today who's never seen me play. When I first heard that story, it had a profound impact on me. And it's certainly the way that I try to carry myself whether I'm walking through an airport, giving a speech, talking with strangers someplace, you know, they might never have seen you play before. So you have to be playing your A game all the time. When you're playing your A game all the time, you are going to get noticed. You are going to get promoted. A distinct opportunity that you're going to be eventually put into a position where you can effectively change the organization. So number one, play like Joe DiMaggio. Play like because somebody might see you play that's never seen you play before. But Number you're doing two, that, I would say you're not doing that out of self-interest. You're doing that out of no. respect for those around you and out of this idea that I am going to constantly pursue excellence. Yeah, and because, look, it's all about the last person standing. Most people are not playing their A games all the time. So man up, woman up, play your A game all the time. It will be noticed, and you will eventually be in a position to influence and change the organization. Number two, don't ever come from a position of weakness because nobody's going to listen to you. Don't whine about culture to other people. Don't whine about a lack of guiding principles because you're going to be seen as being a whiner or as making excuses for not delivering. So always come from a position of winning. I mean, deliver your numbers. Finish your work. Exceed the expectations on the project that was assigned to you. But you can't be – you're going to be seen as whining if you're talking about these issues when you're not coming from a position of strength. So always come from a position of strength. Get your work done. Get the job done. Be a standout player in the firm. Then that's what gives you voice. Would also bringing a solution to a problem, if you're going to bring up a challenge, if you're going to bring up a problem, have a solution or an idea to address it and re instead of just uh, whining? Of course, because the higher you go in the organization, the more stuff is plopped on your desk every day. And uh, most of it's problems, most of it's challenge, most of it's questions that have to be heated. And I mean, look, if somebody can come in with a solution to something, instead of putting another problem on your desk, they are recognized as having great potential for the firm. Number three, begin developing relationships with like-minded, high-performing people in the organization. Because together as a group, as colleagues, I mean, eventually you will take on some strength in the firm or the organization to be able to get something done. Number four, and I've seen this happen over and over again. So when somebody stops you and says, why are you so successful? I mean, why do you always hit your numbers? Why do you always exceed the expectations when you're given a project? Why do you always get it done? Well, what an excellent time to pause and draw a picture of what it would look like if everyone took on board the things that drive you. And what are the things that drive you? 
whether or not the organization has it, you better have a purpose. I mean, maybe the firm isn't out to be the greatest construction company that changes uh, the path of construction, but that doesn't mean that that can't be your personal purpose. And just because the firm may not have a set of guiding principles, it does not mean that you shouldn't have a set of five or six guiding principles. And so when somebody says to you, geez, I mean, you always excel. How or why do you do it? Say, well, let me have a conversation with you and I'll tell you why. And it comes down to my purpose and it comes down to my guiding values and I'll be happy to share them with you. So that's a time when you have an opportunity to proselytize. Number five, have a good elevator pitch for purpose, values, and cultures of growth. Most people are lousy communicators. I may have told you this story once before, Dale, but I'm going to tell the story in the context of what we're talking about now. I always try to be available to people. I always learn something from people. And uh, a couple of years ago, I received a communication from someone, a a group of young people who were out to uh, create a company. And they learned I was going to be speaking in Chicago. And they wanted to know if I'd set aside an hour to meet with them. And I wasn't sure if they wanted to pitch me for a financial investment in their business or if they just wanted my advice. But I said, yes, Uh, what could be more fun than getting together with a few young entrepreneurs in the lobby of the Park Hyatt Hotel, sipping coffees and talking for an hour. So, of course, I said yes. And so we got together and they started telling me the idea for their company. And Dale, an hour later, I had no idea what the hell they were talking about. None. It was like so much gibberish. I mean, one was interrupting another one, one was going in this direction, one was going in that direction, and at the end of an hour, I had no idea what they were talking about, what they were promoting, what they were trying to build, what the exit strategy was, what they were looking for, I mean, what I would be able to contribute, none whatsoever. So you better put together a good elevator pitch for, I mean, what can happen if an organization has a purpose, what can happen if an organization has a set of guiding principles. What can happen if an organization exists for continuous growth for the benefit of all of the stakeholders? And you've got to be able to do that in a clear, concise 90 seconds to two minutes where somebody says, wow, this woman really has her stuff together. Number six, I understand the financial reality. If you're stuck at the bottom, stuck in the middle, you can't influence the organization. But guess what? You got $60,000 in student loans. I mean, you're in servitude. You're a slave. I mean, you can't just walk out. And so the next piece of advice is maybe going to sound counterintuitive, but save your money so you're not in bondage. So you've got some opportunities so that if something becomes just, if it's a toxic environment that is never going to change, you're never going to be able to influence it, you're never going to be able to change it, well, you got to leave. But you're not going to be able to leave. I mean, if you've got a husband, wife, or partner, and maybe one or two children around the house, you know, you better have that old line from financial planners is there better be six months of disposable income sitting in a bank account someplace, something that you've got ready access to. All of a sudden, I mean, when you've taken care of that financial need, all of a sudden you are free. You are no longer in bondage. And hopefully you never have to pull the plug or pull the pin. And hopefully you never have to use it. And that just becomes part of the money that you save for your life. But you need to have it. It'll clear up your decision making and thinking. And then number seven, don't rush to judgment about the bosses. Most of your bosses never went to management school. Most of your bosses never went to leadership school. And if they got an MBA, that doesn't mean it taught them anything about how to successfully manage and lead a business. And so what I find is bosses have as many questions as anybody else. It's the reason, Dale, that I began writing books. I had hundreds of employees at a consulting company and radio stations, and I didn't have all the answers. And I would buy these business books, and I found that they were written by academics 
who didn't have a firm foothold in the realities of the outside world, or they were written by people who came up with some idea and went in search of confirming evidence for their idea. And I began writing, researching and writing books because I had all of these questions. Guess what? Your bosses have all the questions, too. Your boss also probably suffers from something else. I'm not sure if you've ever heard about it, Dale, and I know we're almost out of time. Your boss also suffers from the, the great imposter theory. Once in a while, I'm walking out on stage, and somebody's talking about, here's Jason Jennings, eight best-selling books, and he's done this and done that, and you know, one of the top ten gurus uh, in the world. And all of a sudden, I feel like an imposter. I go, why did they hire me? Why am I here? And listen, we all suffer from the great imposter theory. So here's your boss. Your boss came in. Your boss did well or marginally well. They got promoted. And then they got promoted again. Then they got promoted again. What we end up with in most companies is we end up with leaders or managers in leaders' clothing. And as we know, there's a big difference between managing people and leading people. Most people have not been taught how to lead. And so don't rush to judgment about your bosses. Just be standout in everything you do. And they will. I see it happen all the time. They will start seeking your counsel. Cream rises to the top, so just be cream all the time. We'll revisit this more, and I'm going to get back to my friend Vince Thompson, who wrote Middle Shift, and ask him for some more specific advice. But those are my first thoughts on the subject. That's fantastic. For those taking notes, if you're driving in your car, I'm going to go through these one more time. Play like Joe DiMaggio. Don't ever come from a position of weakness. Bring a solution to the table. Develop relationships with like-minded, high-performing people. When asked, and you will be for the reason for your success, explain it and draw a picture of what things would look like if everyone took it on board. Talk about why you have purpose, your values, culture, and growth. Save your money so you're not in bondage, and don't rush to judgment about the boss until you can walk that proverbial mile in his or her shoes. So that's a fantastic list. Man, gives me something to think about. I'm going to hang a picture of Joe up on my office wall, I think. I always like to leave people with one thing. Joe DiMaggio playing in great pain, his final game, being asked, why are you playing like a kid trying to make the team? He said, because there might be somebody here who's never seen me play before. Think about that as you go through this week. Absolutely. Jason Jennings, the author who USA Today calls one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. To find out how you can arrange to have Jason keynote your next event or leadership conference and learn about his fees and availability, be sure to check out the website, jason-jennings.com. Click the contact button, follow the instructions there. We would love to hear from you. Jason, thank you so much for your time and the great advice today. See you next week. Absolutely. This is the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Go out and play like Joe. You've been listening to The Game Changers. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com. Dot com.